Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. It's great to be with you again this morning, friends, wherever you are watching and engaging and connecting with us from. I heard some a story this week of people watching from Donald. Uh, I don't know that we've mentioned you in the previous week, so welcome, and uh, we trust that you're being encouraged as lo- along with so many others throughout this region as well. Uh, this week, uh, starting from May 27th through to June 3, is Reconciliation Week. Uh, it's Reconciliation Week celebrates two significant dates uh, in the national reconciliation journey. Firstly, the 1967 referendum, and the High Court Mabo decision. National Reconciliation Week is also learning more about our shared histories, cultures and achievements. Reconciliation means a change of hearts, minds and actions as Australians to build a nation strengthened by respectful relationships between the wider Australian community and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. As part of the Horsham Church of Christ, we had hoped to show episode two of Sharing Our Story, uh, produced by Australians Together. We'd actually watched episode one on Australia Day this year as part of our desire to continue the conversation about Indigenous uh, relationships and the reconciliation uh, conversation as well. We wanted to deepen our understanding of the issues, to hear the stories and explore further opportunities for conversation. Unfortunately, due to copyright, uh, we weren't able to show that. But that link is uh, at the bottom of the YouTube connection. You'll be able to tap into that and watch that in your own time. There are also the episodes 1, 3 and 4 there. So if you wanted to pursue that in your own conversation and relationships, you are more than welcome to do that as well. Uh, In this, we would also like to acknowledge that the Horsham Church of Christ gathers on the traditional lands of the Wachabolic, Jadwa, Jadwajali, Waragar and Japagalk people. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present. Would you join me in prayer as we prepare, as we recognise National Reconciliation Week, but also as we prepare to encounter God and be open to what God wants to do through his word this morning. Beloved Father, we pray to you acknowledging you as our Father and as the Father of all families and people groups. We thank you for the diversity in your creation, the beautiful variety in all that you have made. We acknowledge we don't often appreciate your creative intent for us to live in harmony and to celebrate the diversity of all you have made. As Australians, we have a rich mixture of peoples, and without a history of injustice, misunderstanding and even hatred. We pray that you would give non-Indigenous Australians the grace for repentance, that we would come to a national consensus that the injustice perpetrated against Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in Australia were sinful, unjustifiable and must stop. We pray for true repentance and the determination to see justice truly done. We pray also for Australia's Indigenous people, that you would grant them the grace to truly forgive. We know it will require great courage and humility for all parties, but we also know that you have the grace to make it happen. We pray that this would then form a strong foundation upon which a new future for Australia can be built, a future characterised by mutual love for and by all the people living in this land. Father, we thank you for this time set apart to 
connect with one another and to connect with you. We thank you for the opportunities to know you and to be at peace in you uh, throughout our week. We pray that you would awaken us to your word, to your spirit, to your promises as we open your word today, as we reflect on your word. Stir in our hearts and minds, engage with us so that we might continue to be transformed into your likeness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Some of us uh, will remember many years ago a TV screen, something like this. Uh, This was before streaming services (laughs) were available and when I was growing up as a young boy, it seems like a long time ago, although not as long as some of you others who might be watching right now, uh, we only had three TV channels. Can you imagine that? Three TV channels. That's it. And uh, it it, it would get to a certain time of night. I thought about midnight, but I'm not, not... completely sure and this test pattern would come up on your screen you had no control over it you had no say this came up on your screen tv would stop and we would be told that uh, the normal programming would resume at 6 a.m or 6 30 if you were fortunate depending on your point of view uh, there'd be classical music played behind that all night for you to just sit and enjoy as you looked at the test pattern Uh, but aside from that TV was switched off there was no movement nothing you were forced to stop and switch off the TV unless you really enjoy test patterns and classical music the most frustrating sentence on all of TV it only comes across in a seasonal expression but the most frustrating sentence in all of TV is play has been interrupted due to rain generally during and only during the cricket season have i seen this but there's nothing more frustrating than going to watch the cricket anticipating watching the cricket and not being aware of the weather patterns and switching the cricket on and you see this banner across the bottom play interrupted due to rain i'm certainly grateful then for streaming services once play has interrupted the cricket that i had hoped to watch Interruptions cause minor delays. They cut in on what we were doing. We often view them as short-term. They're a distraction until we can, again, reset or resume normal programming, a normal way of being, a normal way of engaging. It's like a couple of you have been in a conversation with a couple who are trying to tell you a story and uh, one person is telling you the story and then the other person cuts in and tries to refine the details and sometimes the details don't really matter to the wider extent of the story but they keep correcting each other and cutting in each other and it seems like the interruptions mean that it actually takes longer to get to the end of the story. You know you will get there at the end but it just takes a little bit longer because of the disruptions i heard it said over the recent weeks that we might actually be traveling through more than an interruption at the moment due to uh, this current season of isolation and covid 19 Uh, but we are actually traveling through uh, what some are calling a disruption we are uh, in a season of disturbance and even rearrangement if you like It's unsettling, it's unnerving, it's frustrating, but it is also an invitation to consider our ways. 
What I've heard over the last few weeks, couple of months, is that this has brought such a diversity of responses. There are some people who are feeling like this is business as usual. There's not much impact. They're certainly mindful of the challenges and certainly mindful of the community, sorry, but also that it hasn't really changed much about their way of life. There's other people who have felt the sadness and the heaviness of not being able to go visit their grandchildren or care for their grandchildren. There's the heaviness for some people of uh, not being able to visit loved ones in nursing homes who have been placed in care uh, or um, even to be able to celebrate and honour their loved ones in death and there's an enormous sense of sadness and grief that's been carried in that. There's some of us who have had our hours of work reduced while others of us have had our hours increased and we're busier or just as busy as we have ever been. There is such a diverse range of responses that this disruption has caused, let alone the response that we might be making to leadership and how they are handling it, how our government handles it, and the diversity of what we see or what we think would be right and reasonable and how we think it should be happening. Our lives have been disrupted. They have been changed. They have been rearranged beyond our control and even our response. There is an increasing sense of urgency in this to go back to the way that life was, to go back to doing the things that we want to do. Some of us, I know, some parents are looking forward to their children going back to school. I'm sure every child is looking forward to going back to school too, aren't you? I'm sure you just can't wait. You're probably laughing at me right now, some of you uh, in school-aged children. But other of us are looking forward to returning to life back to normal because we get to see our family and friends. We'll be able to engage once again. We'll be able to uh, meet one another in a coffee shop, in a cafe or uh, down the street again. And that will be a great joy to be able to connect at a human level once again. Some of us will be looking forward to going for a bushwalk and maybe we've already done that. Uh, others of us might be already planning our holidays now that the, some of the borders are opening up and the Travelling is becoming freer again. Some of us might be looking forward to going and playing golf if we haven't already done that. All of this is becoming possible again, but I want to just pull back a little bit and invite us not to rush back into what we think is a normal way of living or being again. And I don't want to do that just because of the the risk around the virus and the challenges around the virus and because we want to take care of our community. But I actually want to invite us not to rush back in thinking that we can return to usual service, return to normal programming, because of what the rush and the busyness, the nature of expectations might be doing to our hearts. Here's here's what I want to invite you to consider today, that maybe this disruption has come with an eternal perspective. It gives us a new understanding, a deeper understanding of how we can view the world from a different lens and particularly understanding the relationship that we can share with God as our Father. And maybe God is using this to get our attention. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God has caused this virus. What I am saying is that there's an opportunity for here uh, in this moment, in this time and space to really reflect on what we give attention to, what we want to be driven by, what motivates us, inspires us, what gives us rest, where our peace and our hope lie, where our energy will lie as we gradually come out of this disruption. 
there is an invitation to a new way of being. As we consider our pathway series and drawing near to the end of it, I'm really incredibly grateful of the insight that uh, our team has offered from Jared and Linda and Damien and Josh. We've heard some dynamic and powerful messages and invitations into the wisdom of an ancient writer, King Solomon, who had all the wealth. He's been known to be the greatest of all kings, the wealthiest of all kings, but he's also been known as one of the wisest that has ever lived. But he says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He goes on in chapter 14, verse 8. The wisdom of the prudent, the wisdom of the wise, the wisdom of the smart, if you like, we'll come back to that in a sec, is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. One translation puts it like this, which I really, really enjoy. I hope you enjoy it too. The sensible person's wisdom is to consider his way, but the stupidity of the fool <laughs> deceives them. <laughs> ah, don't hold back there, will you? The stupidity of fools deceives them. And I guess that's what I'm inviting us to consider. Are we considering our ways, or are we simply living in the stupidity of foolishness? Will we take the time to consider our ways or will we just keep going? So the, for the writer of the Proverbs, for King Solomon uh, and those who heard his wisdom and collated his wisdom, the, f- um, the foolish people are those who have all the answers, those who think they can overcome anything, those who think they are their own authority, their own God, if you like. They are those who will just go and grab a hold of whatever seems attractive to them. And that's what they'll grab a hold of. But what they discover and what they're being warned against, the foolish are being warned against, is that they actually have no grounding. They've actually got no solid footing. Whereas we're reminded through the Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The opportunity to come into uh, the presence of God the presence of the creator of the universe, creator of all that we can see, touch and smell, all that we cannot see and experience, to come into his presence in such a way that we are drawn deeper into him. And as we draw deeper into him, we begin to know more truthfully who we are. We begin to have all the junk fall away from our own hearts and minds and spirits. And we give attention to this God who invites us into relationship. Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And in chapter 19, verse 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I think these texts actually say the same thing. I think this is not a this is not an invitation to simply, dear God, this is what I'm going to do today. Thanks very much. And we go about just doing whatever we think we can do and whatever we think we've got the right to do. This is actually an invitation to come into the presence of God and seek out his heart. This is my plan today, God. This is what I want to give attention to in this season. But more than anything, I want to know your purpose and I want to know that I'm in step with your purpose as the way to life as the way to hope, as the way to peace and rest. I guess it depends on what we're planting in this season. Uh, The writer of Paul, the writer to the early churches that we have in the New Testament, he puts it something like this. 
He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He goes on later in Galatians chapter 5, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And as if to remind us and help us not forget, help the early readers and now us not forget what he was actually saying, he actually drops this little bomb in and towards the end of his letter to the Galatian church, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Sure, you can go and do what you like. You can keep running flat out for the rest of your life. You can get to the end of this season and simply say, right, business as usual. Or there's an opportunity to sow a new seed. Because if we were to be honest, I don't know that we can really look back on life as we knew it before this disruption and say that we're bearing the fruit that brings us the greatest of life. And this is what Paul and indeed the Proverbs invite us to consider. What is it that is bearing fruit of life? There is some great benefits that we get to experience. That we get to watch TV is a great benefit of the wisdom and the success and the achievement of man. But is that the fullness of our fruit? It is a great benefit that we can go to work and enjoy the blessing of work. We can earn an income. Um, but, uh, and we can buy houses or we can live in houses, we can rent houses, we can purchase things that we enjoy because of that. But is that the full extent of the fruit? Is that really satisfying if we look at it? And if you read through the Proverbs, these are questions that are asked time and time and time again. And it's a good question to ask. How do we indeed know that we are bearing the fruit and what is it that we are, need to plant in ourselves and plant in the way of living that will bear the fruit that Paul spoke about when he wrote to the Galatian church. The Gospel of John says it like this in John chapter 15, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we often think about fruit in terms of what we've achieved, what we've done, what we've succeeded in, what we've built for ourselves. But the author of John, as he was witness to following Jesus, says there's actually something else happening here that bears fruit, and it's to remain in Jesus. Other ways to think about this is to abide or to live in Christ as Christ lives in me, as Christ lives in you. It is to reveal the glory and the wonder of who you are in and through him. We live fully alive when what we do comes out of relationship with the Father. See, so often we think we live fully alive by pursuing what catches our eye. The writer of Proverbs always warns against that. Actually, we live fully alive when we come first into a relationship, a life-giving relationship with Father God as our Creator as our sustainer see i believe in this time that we could actually we are being invited into something deeper richer a disruption that could lead us into a new way of being and i guess i want to ask you as you consider this are we moving towards jesus 
or are we moving away from him? Are we withdrawing? Are we moving towards Jesus, seeking to know him more, seeking to discover him more, and therefore knowing more of ourselves, about the things that uh, disturb us, upset us, the things that we need to repent of, change our ways, change our thought patterns, change our perspective on? Or are we moving away from Jesus, just chasing the foolishness, the stupidity of foolishness, that we are simply deceiving ourselves? We have a pretty simple vision uh, for the Horsham Church of Christ. Uh, we want to be uh, transforming our community in the name of Jesus. There's two references that have helped us really shape that. Uh, the first one is from John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, where Jesus says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we can only fully love one another if we're first remaining in Jesus. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says this to them, And we all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we promise one who continues to transform us and work on us and refine us and lead us deeper into the fear of the Lord, the awe and the wonder of this beautiful, life-giving relationship with God that is revealed through Jesus Christ. As I am transformed in the Father's love, that becomes or is expressed in the overflow of my relationships with others, people around me. Each year as part of this vision, out of this vision to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus, seeking to be present, uh, authentic, courageous and generous as people in our relationship with God and with one another, I try to consider a word or a theme that will help us and inspire us and draw us deeper into this relationship. Uh, it focuses our teaching, it gives us some attention into our lessons and into our worship together. And last year, I think it was about September, uh, I took some time off. I was having some time off through that time. And as I was considering that, I had this word daring planted within me. Uh, it was a, a word that I encouraged people as we began this year to think about how we would be daring in faith, in prayer, in worship, in serving, in proclamation and in invitation. And I felt that even in this, God wasn't saying that this, it, God was saying that this isn't just about a year. I felt like God was saying, this is about a season. <laughs> and I think we look at so many opportunities that maybe we feel like we've lost, or so many things that have stopped or been taken away from us because of this disruption. But actually, maybe it's an opportunity to consider a daring way of thinking, a daring way of being. Maybe it's a invitation into a new way of being and that takes some daring now i want to suggest that being daring is different for everyone and i suggested this a few months ago for some of us being daring would go skydiving and other of us will go no thanks very much some of us being daring will will change jobs on a regular basis and we'll find that really easy but it's a great opportunity to uh, shift our perspective or to take on a new challenge some of us won't ever think of changing a job. We'll just go very quietly and solidly through what we have known and always known. For some of us, we'll think about shifting homes or renovating homes and we'll uh, renovate and flip and make money. For some of us, that's daring. For some of us, it's taking on a new project. 
But daring could also be an opportunity to confess a sin. It might also be find a safe space where we can forgive one another, hear forgiveness, accept forgiveness, apologise for past behaviour. Daring could be that for some of us that we might um, make a larger donation to something that's on our hearts and our minds than we might normally have done. Daring might be that we talk to our neighbour who we haven't spoken to or seen but we might actually go and knock on the door and introduce ourselves. Daring takes on such a broad range of people uh, experiences. But also, wanna, it's not just about the final act. There's lots of small d- daring decisions or thoughts that are dropped in us. And I want to suggest when they're placed within us, they could be the Spirit of God speaking life and inviting life into us and through us and inviting us to live out of the overflow of relationship, of being with Him, remaining in Him, trusting Him. And it takes small moments of decision, daring decisions along the way, before that one last great daring act, if you like. I've heard some uh, daring decisions over the last few weeks. And again, it's a small selection of daring examples. I heard uh, recently of a family who were really feeling overwhelmed and high stress, but they made a commitment to reduce their work hours really intentionally so that they could create a happier and healthier home environment. And every time I've spoken to them since, they talk about being healthy and enjoying time together as a family. It's tightened up their financial belt too, but they also feel a greater sense of freedom and joy and discovery together. I've heard of a a family who have had their work hours reduced, not through their own choice, but through circumstances and businesses struggling and uh, managing this season, managing this disruption. But they have chosen to trust in God's provision rather than be afraid. I've heard of someone who's provided meals to those who have uh, found themselves working longer hours. But not only that, they've been going throughout their day trying to be attentive to the people that they meet and the strangers that they meet even and asking if they can help them and serve them in some way. And all of this despite their own anxieties. They are overcoming their fears really intentionally. I've heard of someone providing activity packs for children across the road. A family choosing to praise Jesus despite a personal tragedy. A friend who has provided wood to a number of people as well as slashing a neighbour's grass after they prayed for God to reveal ways in which they can use their skills to give him honour and glory and to be more aware of those in the community around them. And I've heard simply of the generosity of people buying coffees for strangers. Now, we can look at this and go, well, that's not very exciting. Simon, you know, I do that every day. And if you're watching here online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you might be going, well, sure, I do that. That's just what you call a random act of kindness. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but hang with me for a sec. These are ordinary, everyday people facing ordinary, everyday moments, deciding that there's something happening so deeply and richly in them that they're being transformed and out of the overflow of that transformation, they're seeking to bring transformation to others. Because I want to suggest to you um, that these are people who are listening for the Spirit of Jesus. John chapter 3, Jesus said, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
See, in these daring acts, in these daring responses, in these moments of listening for the Spirit blowing and whispering and people remaining in Jesus, I want to suggest to you that they are not just doing acts of kindness. They are actually planting seeds of generosity. They're actually planting seeds of the work and the glory of God and leaving a blessing behind. Even when they leave behind others people even when they leave behind their anxieties when they leave behind their fears when they leave behind their neighbors or their friendships or where they leave people to drink their coffee they have actually planted something that catches people off guard or takes their breath away because i don't i don't care how often you'd buy a stranger a coffee people are always surprised by it why is that we talk about being kind people and generous people and yet we're always surprised by it and i want to suggest that in these surprises in these moments for people of faith there is always we are leaving behind a greater blessing and that is the blessing of the spirit the blessing that we have remained in jesus we have planted something of ourselves but we have planted something greater and that is we have planted something of the glory and the grace and the wonder and the beauty of a relationship with a transforming God. That is true for both personal responses and true for a community. I don't say these stories to compare or to make people feel shameful or guilty of what they have or haven't done. That's not the point. It's to remind us, as it does me, reminds me and inspires me that God is a work and we are encouraged to remain in him and through him to abide with Jesus because it's as we move towards Jesus, we become more aware of his transforming work in us. As we trust Jesus more, we become more aware of the transforming work he does in us. I'm not as afraid as I was yesterday. I'm not as overwhelmed as I was yesterday. I'm not as grumpy as I was yesterday. I'm not as disheartened as I was yesterday. I have a new lens, a new perspective that I can look at the world through as I engage with a God who initially calls something and formed the world out of nothing. He is calling me into something new and richer. And we are invited to partner with His Spirit in the ordinary, everyday, coming and going of our lives. And we want to invite you this morning to move towards Jesus, to trust him through this disruption. See, everything that we talk about, even uh, over the last few weeks, and you've heard it over the last few weeks, everything that we talk about is an invitation to follow Jesus, to trust him, to know him more and more. And in knowing him, we discover more of ourselves. We discover the truth of who we are in him. We don't have to get caught up. We can lay things down pick things up knowing who we are in Jesus knowing Jesus and confessing Jesus as our Lord and our Savior it's a relationship that brings healing it's a relationship that brings hope purpose and meaning and a relationship that is invited uh, we're invited to participate in and finally demonstrated through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus because on the cross he shed his blood He gave his body wholly and solely so that we would know the depth of God's love for us, the depth of God's desire to be in a transforming relationship with us. 
so that we wouldn't have to live with shame or guilt or fear or anxiety. He's won that victory. And the resurrection is God's yes. I am still in the business of transforming lives. And that's the invitation for you today. To declare Jesus as your Lord, to say, I surrender my life to you, Jesus, and to know him as your Saviour. To confess those things where we've turned away, where we haven't considered, where we've been foolish, and to say, you are the one who calls me back, who restores my life, who gives me purpose and meaning. You have saved me from my own sense of pride and guilt and fear, but instead call me into something new. There is no condemnation or shame from God, but invitation that he just waits to welcome you. He knows your name and he still calls you. He waits for you. He looks for you and he holds his arms open for you. And I really believe and anticipating this message, I really believe that there is someone watching today, a number of people watching today who are longing to make this decision, who have been on the edge of making this decision, but are perhaps hedging their bets or maybe just haven't been convinced enough. I really want to invite you today. Make that decision. Trust Jesus. Move towards him. Learn what it is to abide in him. Let us travel with you. And if that's you today in your homes, I want to invite you to, you can either stand or get on your knees as a response. Make a move to say, I don't just want to simply live in the, or go back to the way that things were. I want my life to be so disrupted that I move towards Jesus. If that's you today, if you're kneeling or standing now, you might like to lift your arms up in surrender to, I want to invite you to simply pray a prayer with me. I haven't got it scripted, it'll just come out of the heart and I invite you to follow along or simply say your own prayer of surrender to Jesus as well. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you right now for those who are kneeling or standing. And I want to pray in this moment, Father, that before they say anything, that they would have an overwhelming encounter of your love, experience a deep knowledge of your presence. And even for those of us who are uh, people of faith for a long period of time, sitting on our couches, watching from our beds, whatever it might be, Father, that we would encounter you, be reminded of your love, be reminded of the work and the desire that you have to be transforming us. Right now, Father, for those who are kneeling or standing, perhaps for the first time, declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. Father, we pray that they would have the courage, that we would have the courage to be with them, that we confess that we don't always follow your ways, that we seek to make life through on our own. We follow our own foolishness rather than seeking the awe and the wonder, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We confess, Father, that we don't have it all under control as much as we'd like to think we do. We want to honour you and declare you as our Lord. We surrender to you. We trust you. We trust that you will reveal the truth of who we are. We declare you as our Saviour. We declare healing. We declare restoration. We declare love. We declare revelation. We declare, Father, a lifting off of fear, a lifting off of hopelessness, of despair. Father, for those of us who are feeling overwhelmed, that you lift that off, that we would instead walk in the grace and the goodness, the kindness, the joy of knowing what it is to remain in you. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. 
thank you that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us, but you are constantly calling us deeper into you. May we always know what it is to walk with you, to remain in you, so that we might bear your fruit. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you've made that declaration of faith today, if you've come to that place of declaring Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, perhaps that's the first time you've done it, or perhaps that's a, a reconfession, a, a, a recommitment to the ways of Jesus that you've wandered away from. We'd love to hear from you over the coming weeks. You can send us an email to life at horsham.org.au, life at horsham.org.au. Tell us your story. Tell us what you've encountered and tell us your, the story of your confession today and we'd have one of our team get in touch with you over the coming days. We trust that you've been encouraged today uh, through our worship, through our time together. We trust that you continue to remain in Jesus, continuing to be transformed in his likeness. May you go in peace, friends. Blessings.